What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 72, NFL Conference Championship round this week. We found out the Baseball Hall of Fame results. Disappointing. And a coach stepping down that we didn't expect to. Yeah, uh, today already was pretty a, a pretty good news day so far. I wouldn't say pretty good news day, but pretty action-packed news day, especially for a Tuesday in mid-January. Uh, but just me and Skyler this week, as mm. it's been a lot pretty much for the past month now. Uh, but let's get to our opener and my opener. I know Skyler has his more more generalized or not generalized. Yes. I have mine more generalized. Skyler has his more specific. I just wanted to talk about football this past week and how amazing all the games were. There wasn't a single game that you could just kind of turn your head away for uh, unless you're watching the third quarter of the Bucks rams game, maybe. That's when it was probably the farthest part away. But every single second of those four games were, was amazing. And for three of them to come down to, a, a opposing kicker kicking a game-winning field goal is amazing. Now I'm going to let Skyler talk about that fourth game between the Bills and the Chiefs. Yeah, well, this this season and the regular season, I felt like this is one of the weirdest years ever because there weren't a lot of close games in the regular season. Sure, there, there's a couple we could name, you know, Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Raiders and Chargers to end off the year. But other than that, a lot of blowouts. Even the upsets ended up being blowouts. But this last game of the divisional round, Kansas City beating Buffalo 42-36 in overtime. It was magnificent. Patty Mahomes, Josh Allen, dueling it out. Seven total touchdowns. 27 points in the final two minutes? Something like that. It was like 25, 27, yeah. 28, whatever it was. It was a lot of points, especially for the last two minutes within the game. Mm. And, uh, yeah, just amazing way to finish off the year so far. And it's only getting better, at least. Yeah. Perhaps the best divisional round in NFL history. Uh, <laughs> and it, over a span of 48 hours, we got to see all those games unveil. Now let's talk about our favorite number 72 since it is episode 72. Skyler, who is yeah. it for you? I'm going to go with Carlton Fisk with this one. A Hall of Fame catcher, Boston and Chicago. Fitting that today we find out the Hall of Fame voting results. 11-time All-Star. Yeah. Carlton Fisk. I went with kind of, I wouldn't say a meme guy, but a, a fun guy, something, somebody that we encounter in Madden quite a lot. And that's William Refrigerator Perry. He wore 72 <laughs> on that 85 Bears team uh, where he had that iconic rushing touchdown. Not a pro bowler, but he does have that Super Bowl ring in 85. 29 and a half career sacks. Uh, Spence, most of his career in Chicago in the last year, last half year or so in philly uh but yeah pretty iconic name in in football with the the fridge uh william perry and i went with him as my favorite number 72 now it's time for the immaculate sports player of the week four people that we had on here i decided to choose one from each player or one player from each game uh so the first one with the Bengals titans game it was evan mcpherson he had four field goals played amazing uh and obviously had that game winning field goal uh, at the end of regulation, 
So he was on this list. Jordan Willis, Niners, the end, special teamer, whatever you really want to call him, got the block punt that kind of sent the Niners into the NFC Championship game. So we put him on here. Uh, and then Cooper Cup for the, the Rams-Bucks game, another great game uh, for Cooper Cup. Somehow defenses just will not guard this man. Uh, late in the game, had a big play, cover zero by the Bucks defense. He got by him. Uh, Stafford hit him on a, on a dot. And uh, that set up the game-winning field goal for Matt Gay. So we put Cooper Cup in there. And then perhaps one of the greatest, if not the greatest, playoff wide receiver performance of all time with Gabriel Davis, Bills wide receiver, over 200 yards, four touchdowns, eight receptions uh, in a loss for the Bills. Skyler was talking about putting Patty Mahomes on here. Brett was talking about putting Josh Allen on here. I understand the choice. But, I mean, I, I, with the game that Gabriel Davis had, I think we had to put him there. Definitely got uh, some uh, some Larry Fitz vibes where he drives down the field, 70-yard touchdown. Santonio Holmes gets the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Everyone forgets about Larry Fitz. So, yeah. uh, well, Gabriel Davis did have all the touchdowns in this game. Uh, but how the voting went, we had 8% go to Cooper Cup. There's only 25 votes, so I think that's two of them go to Cooper Cup. Jordan Willis got 12% of the votes, so that would be three votes there. Evan McPherson, 40% of the votes. I voted for him. And Gabriel Davis, also 40% of the votes. Oh. So we have a tie. Okay. Uh, there still is 18 minutes left in this poll. So we'll see if there this changes at all. Uh, by the time that we end it, I'll check it probably right at the end of the show. Uh, but as of right now, it looks like it's going to be tie for our player of the week. That's not the first time that's happened. Uh, it probably won't be the last. <laughs> now let's get to team reports. Not much for the Jets this last week, I don't think. Uh, but you got anything noteworthy? Yeah, I got two noteworthy points here. Uh, we've talked about trading out of the 10 spot uh, a little bit the past couple of weeks. And we see now that Kayvon Thibodeau may be available at that four spot for us, which would be a slam dunk selection. We've been needing an edge rusher for a long time. I don't think... Uh, the boys in New York, Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, care that he's had some injury history in the past. Uh, but if that number three pick gets traded um, by Houston and someone comes up for a quarterback or safety or whatever, then uh, that would be nice. Also, senior bowl practices start a week from now. Jets will be coaching that game. They'll be coaching against the Lions staff. Very interesting. The practices are very interesting to watch. Um, just, you know, uh, obviously you can't take a look at everybody during the game because there's, mm -hmm. you know, it's a team, team game. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Always something fun to have your team do. I remember the, the Raiders and the Niners, I think 2017 or 2018 were the mm -hmm. two teams that were the coaches for that. And I remember uh, hearing about stuff all throughout the week and that, but on to my Raiders, uh, I'd say that we probably have a little bit more of an interesting thing going on right now than the Jets uh, while yes. we're looking for a GM and a head coach. Uh, the GM search, pretty much the same as last week. We, we knew the Patriots exec. We knew the Bengals exec. Uh, we knew the Bears exec. I don't think I talked about him last week at all. Uh, and then now, oh, so the Colts exec and another Raider scout, I think it was. Okay. Uh, and so those are the five guys. I don't remember all their names. I know Trey Brown is a Cincy guy, but that's pretty much it. Uh, and then for head coaches, we've only interviewed four candidates right now. I think what we're going to do is end up hiring the GM first and then look at uh, the head coach spot. But the four 
candidates that we have interviewed or are planning on interview, Bisaccia, D'Amico Ryans, uh, 49ers DC, Gerard Mayo, Patriots linebacker coach and former linebacker for the Patriots. And then lastly, we just got news today that Todd Bowles is also another guy that's in that conversation and going to be interviewed later on this week. So that's all we got so far. I expect things to heat up throughout the course of this week. And hopefully next Tuesday, I will be, ta- I will be talking about uh, that new GM and maybe even that new head coach yeah. for the silver and black. Very exciting process. Exactly. Just like we have done the past few weeks. So uh, how we start where you're, where you're, where's your head at is going to be with season grades, team needs for the teams that got eliminated Four teams that got eliminated this past week were the Bills, the Bucks, the Titans, and the Packers. I don't think we even expected – I didn't expect any of these teams to have be walking out with L's this past week. I think all four of my picks got wrong for these games. Uh, but I know uh, you got a couple of picks right, so you expected yeah. a couple of these teams to be here. First team that we are going to do, though, is the Bills. What would you give the Bills season grade? I'm going to give the Bills a B for this season. Uh, I just felt like throughout the entire year – you just couldn't really trust them. And I'll get more into the AFC aspect of this, the, the, you know, the entire conference when we talk about the other AFC team that was eliminated because that team took advantage of what happened here. But I felt like the Bills were play, playing from behind. And they did end up winning the division. They got to play the Jets at the end of the year. So good for them. Uh, but this offseason, there's a couple things they really need to go after. They need that corner number two. Um, you know, no disrespect to, to the guys that were out there, Levi Wallace and uh, Taron Brown, I believe was his name. Taron Johnson. Taron Johnson. Yeah. Um, but they need a corner number two beside Trey White. You know, obviously they need a wide receiver number two as well. Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley um, are two characters for sure. Two, two <laughs> spark plugs. But uh, I think. Are you. Yeah. Are you missing th- that one guy that just uh, I'm getting perhaps- to that. Oh, I'm getting to that. Gabriel Davis, obviously great, but I think what they're going to have to do here is move Isaiah McKenzie to a Debo like role and they got to train him for that position here. I think Gabriel Davis is fine in the slot. That's right. I think he's fine. Uh, That's fair. And uh, Isaiah McKenzie may be moving to running back if you have to. I know Singletary had a pretty good end of the season, but if you mm-hmm. can't run the ball, you got to make some changes. Yeah, that's fair. You you look at all these great teams, and sure, they have everybody, but being able to run the ball in big spots is something the teams can be able to do. And they actually were able to do that this past year uh, a little bit with Devin Singletary. Uh, I actually gave the Bills an A grade this season because I think uh, despite being very shaky throughout the middle part and the early part of the season, they were very locked on in the, in the late part of the season, and they looked great in that game against the Patriots. And they look they looked pretty damn good in the game against the chiefs as well, except for Mahomes became Mahomes. Tyreek Hill did what Tyreek Hill does. And they just made plays on the bills. So I give it an a grade. Cause I think it's a really successful season. Uh, you kind of know what you have to do again. And you just have that same fire uh, from the past year of losing to the chiefs. And hopefully that same fire doesn't turn into, well, we can't beat these guys. We, we just know we can't e- even at our best. Uh, so I put for the main need going into the off season, just retain your guys. If you bring back this exact same roster, maybe add a couple depth pieces, but nothing too major. This team is still going to be one of the top teams in the AFC. Uh, and like Mahomes said in his 
a little post-game talk with Josh Allen so that we're going to do this a lot over the next few years and, and being in these big playoff games and producing games for fans to watch that like those or that, that Sunday game was. Uh, and I mean, I, I trust Mahomes with that. I think these two teams are going to be teams that are playing against each other a yeah. lot in the next 10 years uh, with the two quarterbacks that they got. Uh, not a young quarterback on this team though, uh, unless you count the backup, but the Buccaneers disappointing end to their season on Sunday. Uh, what do you grade it? I'm going to give them a C plus this year. Uh, I feel like Brady has done so much, but there was kind of one thing he was really missing from his resume. That's the perfect season. I was going into this year thinking this would be the time to do it. And I know not a lot of the regular season is, uh, you know, should be going into this, this grade and it's not, but I keep in mind, you know, you can't lose nine to nothing in new Orleans, you know, especially before the playoffs. Um, and a lot of injuries, of course, but the depth is lacking with Tampa Bay. Um, so I'm going to say, you got to bring Brady back. And this is maybe not for, you know, the interest of Brady, but for the interest if this team wants to run it back and have another chance at a Super Bowl, that's the first thing you got to do. Make sure Brady's on board for next year and improve the trenches. Um, I mean, Ryan Jensen, um, Alex Kappa, and Dominic and Sue. All these guys are free agents this year. Even more guys I'm, I can't think of right now. Uh, you got to make sure the trenches are ready for next year because if Brady doesn't have a tackle, you, I mean, you, you saw what the Rams did. They're just going to abuse that side and uh, reverse of what happened in the Super Bowl for them to be <laughs> happening next year. They don't get that straight. I gave the Bucks. Uh, B minus. I thought their season was pretty how we expected it to be, at least in the regular season, uh, where they kind of just cruise. They have a couple bad games, but they beat pretty much everybody that they needed to beat and cruise into the playoffs. Uh, so, kind of two scenarios I have here uh, with their needs in the offseason. One starts if Brady uh, stays and doesn't retire quite yet. Uh, I think you realize that, hey, this is Brady's last year. And do whatever you have to do to make sure that you win that Super Bowl next year, whether it's trading your first round pick, uh, whatever you got to do, get the championship squad and make sure that you win in Brady's last year next year. Because I don't think he's playing any farther than that. Mm -hmm. uh, but if Brady leaves, other people are going to start leaving. I think you just got to begin the rebuild. Uh, I don't really know what that means at this point, because I know there's still a lot of young, good players on that team. Winfield, Devin White. Uh, but there's actually a lot of guys on defense, Sean Murphy, Bunting, all those guys over there. Uh, we got to begin the rebuild. Uh, I, I really don't think there is a, a retool scenario where you become a championship contender, especially with all these young gunning teams in the AFC, like the Bengals and the bills mm -hmm. and chargers, whatnot. Uh, next up is the Titans. The first one seed that we're going to talk about. Uh, and there we, got their season ended very yeah. quickly in the playoffs. Yeah. I'm going to give the Titans an a, and this will make my bills grade make a little more sense. The AFC completely collapsed halfway through the season. And the Titans were one of the only teams to take advantage of that. Uh, they were missing their best player, Derrick Henry. They have a quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, who uh, doesn't have a lot of his best days anymore. And they completely took advantage of it and got that by, obviously it didn't work out for them. 
but they played Cincy tough. I went in there thinking Cincy will win no problem. So good for, good for Tennessee. Uh, I think they should start looking for a way to upgrade the quarterback within three years. You know, I don't think they're going to go out and draft like Carson Strong with the 24th pick or whatever they're going to have. Um, but Tannehill's got $50 million of dead cap coming up each year until he's gone. So I think that's got to be in the back of your mind, especially if you're Mike Vrabel, a guy who, if he has, you know, two disappointing years in a row, could be fired after winning coach of the year. You know, so you, you got to worry about the quarterback position. Yeah, I, I gave the Titans a C, and I think their the regular season was really, really good for what mm-hmm. they had in getting that first seed. But if you're the one seed, you cannot go out in the divisional round. That just simply cannot be how it is. Uh, especially when you get the player as with the magnitude that Derrick Henry has, if once you get him back, you have to just go in and destroy that team that you're playing in the divisional round. Obviously they didn't do that. Uh, and defense looked fine. Henry looked fine for not playing in eight weeks. The wide receivers looked fine. Julio actually played pretty well in that game. Uh, and it all kind of just came down to one spot and that's, they didn't have Corey Davis. Uh, (laughs) Definitely not it. Uh, but it comes down to the QB spot. And like Skeller said, it's kind of tough to upgrade uh, a quarterback this in the immediate future. That's why I said, it, like, look for in the next three years. Because mm. uh, they got a young defense, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Maybe find a Julio replacement next year um, and work on the offensive line and look for a quarterback, right? Yeah. Uh, but getting the quarterback sooner than later would be ideal Mm -hmm. i really don't know what that is uh but if you say pick up somebody that's on the end of the rookie contract within the next year or two uh somehow able to do that with cap you just figure it out somehow uh then i could see that working out perhaps or if they even want to draft a qb i wouldn't be opposed to that because when i look at the other needs in this team maybe a third wide receiver uh maybe a tight end but besides that, I'm looking at quarterback. Uh, so say if you do get a Carson Strong or Malik Willis later in, in the first round, go ahead and make that pick. You don't even have to play him next year. You really mm-hmm. don't. You just you can have him sit behind Tannehill, understand what the offense is. Realize, this would be the draft class to draft a guy to sit. Too. Exactly. Realize the guy that you have in the backfield and Derrick Henry, uh, or at least that rookie quarterback, have him realize that. I think we all kind of know what Derrick Henry is, but have that rookie quarterback realize what animal, what beast he has back there, and that you really don't have to do too much as the quarterback of the Tennessee Titans. Packers, last team that we're going to mm-hmm. talk about here. Disappointing end of their season. I don't think we expected this upset uh, at, at all except for the Niner fans that we talk about kind of might've persuaded us a little bit, but the Packers, what do you grade it? I think we're going to finally agree on one right on the nail here. I have the Packers at C. Um, You said we didn't expect the upset. That's true. But unfortunately I think everyone could predict the special teams failing because it has for them every single game. They just didn't play in the snow every single game. I think that's what happened here. You know, very disappointing um, for a 13 and 4 team. Another one seed losing. LaFleur's got to be losing his freaking mind right now, especially with what I'm going to tell him to do here, which is tag everybody, bring back Rodgers, have one more last dance. 
because that would fuck them for the future if they did that. But I think that's their best chance of winning next year. I don't think winning is possible next year uh, with what they got. I do grade the season a C as well. Uh, it's really good regular season, but this was year to win. Uh, so if they went on, uh, it's just great in the regular season. I give it an A plus yeah. for all the distractions that they dealt with early in the year with Rogers and his uncertainty, whatever you want to call it and getting through it to the one seed a plus losing to the Niners in the first round F, F. <laughs> so an A plus and an F give you that C. Uh, so I say star rebuild. Uh, I don't think Rogers is coming back this next year. Uh, I don't know what Devonte Adams is going to do. I don't know what those, uh, players on the defense are going to do. I don't know what the players on the offense are going to do. Uh, so when you have that much uncertainty when it comes to your roster in the near, near future, like it does next year, I think you got to start to rebuild. Uh, you have that young quarterback in Jordan Love. Do we think he's going to be the greatest? Probably not. But you still have him. You got to realize that you made that pick and you have to use him. You, I mean, if the front office is like, eh, now nah, we're not going to use him, then it just looks terrible on everything. So. Start to run love next year. Packers might suck. That'd be but it's going to be a change. First time they've sucked since 91. Like ever. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. Uh, all right. That's going to do it for season grades. Uh, one more thing before halftime. Uh, we don't have to go too in-depth for each one, uh, but just talk about it a little bit. We're going to talk about the, the head coaches who are going to be on the hot seat yeah. next year if they have a bad season. Uh Start off with the AFC East. I didn't have anybody from this division with the Bills, Dolphins, Patriots, and the Jets. I think all four of those coaches. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we don't know who the Dolphins one is yet, but McDermott, Belichick, Sala should be safe. Yes. AFC North, I had one of these guys uh, between Harbaugh, Zach Taylor, Stefanski, and Mike Tomlin. Skeller, did you have any? I didn't. I, I uh, have a feeling I know your guy, but he didn't go on my list. Yeah, I put Stefanski on this list yeah. just because the Browns were such a letdown this year. And I know, uh, sure, they had injuries and all this stuff, but so did every other team in the NFL. And so when you are not able to win with that roster, that defensive specimen and Miles Garrett on your squad, uh, if you're not winning for a long time, you're going to be out of there soon. And I think that's what's going to happen to Stefanski if they – have another seven or eight win season this next year. The AFC South, uh, the Texans spot obviously is open. The Colts spot is occupied by Frank Reich. Jaguars, we don't know yet. And Titans, Mike Vrabel. Do you have, I guess, really Frank Reich or Mike Vrabel being gone next year? I don't, not for next year. No. I have Frank Reich on this list. I think he's a good coach. Uh, but when you go as long as the Colts have with this solid team and you don't produce anything past the wild card berth this, this, uh, in 2020, then it's going to be, it's going to be ending soon. So Frank Reich gets this one last season. If they don't make it past the wild card round, I think he is gone. The AFC West uh, Broncos. We don't know yet. Chiefs, obviously Andy Reid, Stan, uh, Raiders, we don't know yet. And then Brandon Staley. So I guess this is kind of just a one-pointed question. Yeah. Is Brandon Staley going to be fired this next season? I have him on my list. I think he'll be on the hot seat because 
San Diego, LA ownership is very impatient. There's one guy I think that's a little more impatient than them. And we'll get into that a little bit later here. But when you have one of the best quarterbacks, what projects to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, Justin Herbert. And if they don't start winning, if they don't make the playoffs or go over 500 and you know, right now he's, he's being compared to Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was taken before him in the draft. He's playing in the AFC championship game this week. He's coming off of a ridiculous injury and he has no offensive line help and he's playing against Mahomes in the championship game next week. I think if it's a bad season, they go eight and nine and Herbert, I don't know. Can't get it done at the end of the year. They might blame the coach for that. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I'm going to add Staley to my list as well. Uh, and I didn't have this before, but mm-hmm. when I, when you, you talked about the comparison to Burrow, I think yeah. that's going to really kind of make the, the chargers tick based off of how, how good they do is just base themselves off the Bengals. I honestly, right now, I think the chargers straight up have a better roster than the Bengals. Uh, I don't think the Chargers should have been anywhere near the AFC championship game, even if they were to get into that spot. But if you just look at roster and you look at the players and you look at the guys each team has, I think I would take the Chargers roster. Uh, So if they disappoint next year and don't make the playoffs, Staley could be gone, especially with some of the decisions. I assume if they don't make the playoffs next year, it's going to be because of a couple of decisions that Staley made down the stretch. So Mm -hmm. he is on my list now as well. Onto the NFC East, the Cowboys, the Giants, the Eagles, and Washington. Uh, we will know the Washington football team's name in a week or so, I oh, think. I heard uh, uh, generals or admirals or something is is uh, trending in the in the. I don't know about that one. Area of we'll being see. selected. There's something like know. that. We will know on the second, I believe, though. Uh, but Mike McCarthy, Nick Sarani, and Ron Rivera were taking out the. Yeah. Unless you think Brian Dable's getting and be fired because uh, I'm assuming oh. that he's going to be the head coach for the Giants. Uh, who do you think on, on that spot? I have two guys here. We'll start with Ron Rivera because I feel like retirement's very possible uh, that they'll kind of push him towards the door next year uh, because, well, first of all, they don't have a quarterback right now. Taylor Henneke, very flashy, cool guy, but he didn't play very good this year. Ron Rivera is a defensive guy. You know, we love Riverboat Ron, but the defense was terrible this year. And that can't happen. It just can't happen. Yeah, um, I, you want me to keep going or you got something? I'll, I'll do Ron Rivera as well. Okay. I, I think uh, Rivera goes on this list as well. Uh, he, I like him a lot, but usually when you need a quarterback, what happens is you draft a quarterback, you sign a new head coach who is offensive based mm-hmm. uh, and not defensive based like Ron Rivera. Uh, so Riverboat Ron. I think everybody in the NFL loves him. I don't yeah. really think there's anybody that's like, oh, yeah, screw this guy. Everybody kind of also thinks he's a good coach, uh, but it just hasn't worked out with him uh, and the roster within the past year or two, honestly. Even though they won the division, that, that season last year was an L. Uh, <laughs> so let's get to the second team that you had. Is it the Cowboys? Yeah, yeah, it's Mike McCarthy here. Uh, I think Jerry Jones is probably the most impatient man in football. Um, if they can't win a playoff game next year, I definitely think he would take another swing at Lincoln Riley, realize he's out of his mind, and then just settle for somebody from the Shanahan family. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I that game was horrible last week against San Francisco. Um, and that team is so 
was so unprepared and undisciplined. And it starts with the head coach. Yeah, I'm going with Mike McCarthy too, just especially with how high expectations are in Dallas. Uh, so yeah, I'm going Mike McCarthy on this list as well. I, I mm. think Skyler said it pretty good though. Uh, next up in the NFC North, the Bears, the Lions, the Packers, and the Vikings. Vikings and the Bears do not really have a head coach. Yeah, would have been Lions Zimmer have, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> but he's gone. Lions, uh, Dan Campbell, and Packers, the floor. I say both these guys are staying. Mm-hmm. I think it, it would be unfair to go after Dan Campbell, you know, when he's he's stuck in, you know, roster purgatory for the next mm-hmm. three, four years here. And he's kind of won over the NFL already. Mm-hmm. And, and pop, I want to say popularity, but like uh, people kind of know this guy has players that want to play for him and yeah. so forth. Uh, even though Joe, Joe Judge said the exact same thing, uh, I believe Dan Campbell more than I do for Joe Judge. NFC South up next, the Falcons, the Panthers, the Saints, and the Buccaneers. We saw Sean Payton step down today. Shocker. We know uh, Arthur Smith, head coach of the Falcons, probably still going to be there, at least in my opinion. Mm. Bruce Arian said he's coming back next year, so that leaves us with Matt Rule and the Panthers. I think this one's pretty obvious. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, hot yeah. seat for Matt Rule. Matt Rule's seat is already on fire right now. Um, apparently, he's been making a lot of these terrible decisions, especially at the quarterback position. I know he signed a ridiculous deal. I think it was eight years and has pretty much just been drafting the youngest defensive raw guys he possibly can because he thinks he'll mm. be here for eight years. Uh, but if you can't find a quarterback... I mean, come on, right? This guy isn't just on the hot seat as a head coach. He got fleeced multiple times in trades this year, uh, especially Sam Darnold. Um, do I have anything else I need to say here? I mean, Matt Rule, come on, man. Come on. Yeah, Matt, Matt Rule is another guy on my list too. Uh, I mean, unless they have – the best defense in the league next year. Uh, if they don't make the playoffs, they're not. That rule's not going to be there. Firing Please. Joe Brady like it's Joe Brady's fault that Cam Newton was starting this year. Yeah, I, I would have kept Joe Brady. I would have fired Matt Rule if if I was to fire anybody. I think I would have given all of them another year, but I don't think they made the right decision there. NFC West now. This one's pretty interesting. I'm not yeah. going to lie. Uh, the Cardinals, the Rams, the Niners, and the Seahawks. McVay and Shanahan are two easy, safe guys for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pete Carroll's interesting with retirement. And then Cliff Kingsbury is kind of the noteworthy one here. I have both of those last two guys here. Uh, where where we want to start with this one? Kingsbury? Sure. All right. So Cliff Kingsbury, I think, is another one of those great offensive minds. But... You can't finish off the year in a slump. We've seen every year. It's there. It seems to be a trend. There's a team or two who, you know, has such a big lead in the division halfway through that even if they choke at the end, they're still going to get that four seed. And we saw that with the Cardinals. Uh, you know, I I don't think Kyler Murray uh, has progressed the way everyone has wanted him to. I think that's on Kingsbury. They've had some injuries, but. Uh, they got to win the division next year. 
Yeah. Yeah. Definitely an interesting season for the Cardinals for back-to-back years now. Uh, started off hot last year, started six and two, and then it finished two and six to make the playoffs. Obviously, this year started ten and two, made the playoffs at eleven and six. But and they were the they were the five, not the four. My bad. Yeah, they're five yeah. seed. Uh, but still, you gotta. I mean, they got a great roster here, and I know DeAndre Hopkins was hurt, but if you're not playing in the conference championship game, or if you're not. I don't even know playing really say if you draw a four seed next year and you kill the team that you play in the wild card round and then you lose the one seed, I think that'd be okay. But if you end up losing to two seed or a three seed or even a seed below you at five, six, seven, uh, whatever it is, then Cliff Kingsbury is definitely gone in my opinion. Uh, Pete Carroll, this one's pretty simple retirement. I think is pretty much the the main thing here. Uh, I, I think he has kind of earned the right at this point to kind of dictate how long he stays. Uh, but I feel like he's going to be like, yeah, I'm like 75 might as well retire here. Yeah. I am pretty shocked that the news today was Sean Payton leaving and not Pete Carroll. Um, but I think this has to do with Russell Wilson. I think he's going to stay one more year and maybe that's why Pete Carroll stayed. Uh, but we'll see. I, I think he's got maybe one year maximum here. If he doesn't make it through or if he does make it through this season, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's going to do it for the coaches talk. Uh, let's get back or not get back. Let's go to halftime. Yeah. Uh going to lead it off with the baseball hall of fame and then some automated strike zone talk in triple A. Yeah. So the baseball hall of fame, 2022 ballot, uh, I broke it down a couple weeks ago. I don't remember which episode, but the results came out today, three o'clock Pacific Standard Time. David Ortiz was inducted into the Hall of Fame, 77.9% of the votes. And that's not what I'm upset about. You know, I understand he's a great guy. He did have, uh, you know, some PED question marks, never admitted or tested positive publicly, but there was some private stuff that got out in 2003. Um, but this guy's a postseason legend. He's, if you look at the advanced numbers, he's the greatest postseason hitter of all time. Uh, the big news here is Bonds and Clemens, 66% for Bonds, 65.5% for Clemens. Not in on their last year. Um, I think this is this is really disappointing. Uh, you know, they always say you can't write the story without this guy for the Hall of Fame votes. I think it's true for these guys. If Bud Selig can turn the other cheek to profit off of them. I think they deserve a spot here. Um, and that's also with Kurt Schilling, 58%. That's for other reasons, though. He told the writers, you know, Evoff, don't even vote for me this year. And they didn't. They didn't. They listened to him. And Sammy Sosa, which is kind of weird to me. Sammy Sosa, 19%, final year on the ballot, dropped a lot here. Uh, never actually tested positive or admitted to using steroids. Never was suspended. But uh, we tie his name to all this anyways, because it was that era and he's gone. But the interesting stuff to keep an eye on here, Scott Rowland jumping massively up to 63%. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame next year. And I'm excited about that because Scott Rowland's a great guy. Played shortstop, third base, second base for 16, 18 years. Helped the Cardinals win a World Series. Uh, And this gives me hope for guys like Evan Longoria. You know, just great guys who who kind of uh, transform teams 
not with 500 homers, but in every other aspect. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Todd Helton. Hasn't been on the ballot for that long. He's at 52% already. This is a guy who's getting in the Hall of Fame. Billy Wagner, 51%. He's getting up there, but I think he's got a good chance. That's the Houston closer. And Andrew Jones, 41%. Um, the greatest defensive center fielder of all time. Also 500 homers. I think he should get in. He had a huge jump, I think like 16% this year or something, you know, just behind uh, Andrew, not Andrew, uh, Scott Rowland. A-Rod opens up at 34.3% in his first year. I think the most interesting part about this uh, is that he's going to be tied to Barry Bonds a lot through his entire process of Hall of Fame voting. Barry Bonds opened with 36% his first year. He had more votes than A-Rod did. That's not very good for A-Rod. That's not looking good for him at all. Uh, If I had to predict 10 years from now, I would say he doesn't get in, but a lot can change. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Maybe it's time to make a new Hall of Fame. Honestly, dude. I mean, we've talked about this Uh for a little while now, the past few years, but man, Barry Bonds is like, there isn't a goat of baseball, but he is up there as far as hitters Mm. go in general. And he just, steroids or not i mean everybody's doing steroids that if you want to actually uh like talk about the story of baseball you're not gonna be able to talk about the you're not gonna be able to leave out the guy who has the most home runs in mlb history like that's the that's the stat that brings popularity to baseball is a home run uh and you're leaving out the guy who hit the most of them doesn't really make sense to me to wrap it up here Jeff Kent, giant second baseman at the time of his retirement, most homers by second baseman ever. No traction at all at his ninth year. He's not going to get in. Omar Vizquel had some domestic violence uh, charges, drops way down to 24%. He's not getting in. Jimmy Rollins, first year, 9%. Bobby Abreu's first year, 9%. Mark Burley's first year, 6%. Torrey Hunter's first year, 5%. Those guys are staying on for next year. Joe Nathan, Tim Hudson, Tim Lincecum, Prince Fielder of the Notables who are done. They're off the ballot. It's a little upsetting, but that's why it's not the Hall of Very Good. (laughs) Um, And some guys coming next year. Carlos Beltran probably won't get in because he cheated with Houston. And some questionable stuff with his niece or something when he was the manager for a couple of days of the Mets. Uh, K-Rod, one of the best closures of all time, PED user and reliever. Doesn't look very good for him. Yeah. And that <laughs> that's up the Hall of Fame talk for this year. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, last thing here yeah. in, in halftime is the coaching carousel update. Uh, there's been some more interviews. There's been some more finalists or things, but nothing too far in paper mm-hmm. as far as coaches go. Uh, I know Brian Dable has been linked a lot to the Giants, uh, and that's partially because their GM that they just hired within this past week, Joe Schoen. I don't really know exactly how to say his last name. Schoen, Schoen, got hired. He is uh, a Bills exec or former Bills exec, and now obviously he'd want to bring a guy from the Bills to be their head coach, and I think that worked out pretty well uh, for the Giants. Uh, and then lastly, the Bears actually hired their GM today, 
uh, former Chiefs exec director of player personnel, uh, Ryan Poles. Uh, and yeah. Ryan Poles, his story, he was actually signed by the Bears as an undrafted free agent back in his playing days. Wow. Uh, I think he's only 36 years old. Uh, and now he is the GM of Chicago's football franchise, which is pretty wow. cool to see. We do have one more note about baseball, though, Kyle. And I'm kind of excited about oh, this one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. Uh, I skipped over this. So the MLB posted hiring notice for several AAA teams this week. It has been confirmed that the ABS, the automated ball and strike system, will be used throughout AAA ballparks in 2022. This is huge. They've been testing it for years at the lower levels in spring ball at the Arizona Fall League. And it's starting starting Kyle I'm excited uh, obviously there'll still be umpires there for you know uh, judgment calls but did he go is he safe stuff like that but the strikes and balls will be automated for AAA you know tune in some aviator games this year huh kind of crazy yeah. that'd be something aviator mm-hmm. games would be interesting uh especially with the high heat there yeah uh so my bad for skipping over that but uh we got it back in anyways uh that's gonna do it for halftime though let's get to where's your head at part two uh and we're talking about the conference championship games now Bengals, chiefs niners rams we both saw these matchups in the regular season uh Bengals, chiefs produced a great game back in like week 15 week 16 where the Bengals won the uh like 20 yard field goal when time was expiring Niners Rams have produced two pretty good games this year. Niners won them both. One was on Monday night football. Debo had a big catch in that game. And then uh, week 18 Niners had to win and they were into the playoffs. Rams were up 17 to three. They choked that lead uh, or they were up 17, nothing. And then they choked that lead and Niners win, get in the playoffs. Rams clinched the division at that point. So it didn't really matter to them. Uh, but now we're going to talk about the keys for each team winning. All right. I'm only going to do one each for each team. The main thing that I think that they got to do, I uh, broke that rule. That's fine. Okay. Uh, well, what are the, what are the keys for the Bengals to win? All right. The keys for the Bengals, they have to keep up with Kansas city. Evan McPherson needs to have another perfect day. And they need to have the ball last. They can't give it back to Mahomes. We saw how dangerous he is with even 13 seconds. Yeah, for the Bengals, I think you got to play perfect. Uh, You got to have big plays on offense, too, uh, because that's the bread and butter with your team. And those are the big momentum plays that can win you a playoff game in hostile territory like Kansas City because the Chiefs can do the exact same thing to you. So limit the big plays, and you got to make sure that you have – big plays on, on offense, especially to your main guy in Jamar Chase. Hmm. Now to the Chiefs, the home team, they've won so many times before. What do they got to do to keep winning? Do exactly what they have been doing since midseason this year. They got to get McKinnon, Clyde edwards Lair going early, and the Honey Badger needs to play in this game. Yeah, I, I think the Chiefs have to just do the exact same thing that they've been doing. Defense is good. Offense is good. Don't make any stupid mistakes. That's the main thing here. If mm-hmm. you don't make any stupid mistakes, the Chiefs should be should be winning this game without a doubt. Now on to the NFC Championship game side. Uh, first up with the Niners. All right. With the Niners, they need to pound the rock. Also with pounding the rock comes the play action game. 
that San Francisco loves so much. And you have to get Kittle involved in that game. You have to. Last piece I, here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's very simple, Kyle. Get to the quarterback. You got to get to Matt Stafford, and I'll explain why here when we talk about the Rams. For the Niners, uh, I think they got to get off to a hot start offensively. Uh, we saw in that Week 18 game them get off to a slow start. We saw in Week 17 against the Texans they got off to a slow start. Uh, we saw in the game against the Cowboys they scored a touchdown in their first possession, and they, they kind of went a little mute on, on offense for a little while uh, and didn't really put up more points again until later in the game. Uh, and then the, the Packer game obviously – didn't even get into the end zone on offense. Didn't even really do anything on offense that whole game. Uh, so you got to start off hot because it's tough to come back from 17, nothing uh, multiple times, especially against the exact same team. Mm. Uh, also same thing, pressure Stafford on the other side. Now yeah. the Rams, what do they got to do to win this game? Don't turn over the ball. No cam makers, strip fumbles, no stupid picks over the middle with pressure in your face. Just throw it away, Stafford. Keep getting cup involved and you got to stop the run. I mean, if you make Jimmy have to win this game himself, it looks very good for the Rams, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But if they can do whatever they want on offense, the Rams are in trouble. That's what happened in the second half of week 18. Can't you got to put it in the hands of Jimmy here, not Elijah Mitchell and Debo? Yeah, it, I, I think the Rams just need a closer. They, when I look at their team, I don't see anybody that can close the game for them. Uh, whether that be a running back with getting five yards per carry when you need it the most, whether that be Stafford making big throws late in the game, whether that be the defense just getting big stops, we haven't seen that at all for the Rams the past two weeks, and I know they. They won that game pretty handily against the Cardinals, but they didn't really make too many plays in the second half. All, all the stuff really came in the first half and starting off hot, and they've started off hot the last few games. I mean, obviously, we're up 27-3 to three to the Bucks. We're up 17-0 to the Niners a few weeks ago, like we were talking about. Uh, and then all those games ended up being pretty close. So you got to find a closer, whether that's your defense making big plays with a big strip sack and then – having to get offensive drive to follow that, whatever it is, you got to find a, somebody, some entity that can get the job done for you. All right. Uh, yeah, it's going to do it for where's your head at. Now let's get to the layups and let's get to the closer, all that stuff. And let's get on out of here. Uh, last week with the layups, we went two for two. I yes, had sir. the Rams Buccaneers game over 48 and a half. The score ended up being 30. 27 so that produces a pretty high score scoring game and gets me that over Skyler had Chiefs minus two versus Buffalo that 13 second drive helps Skyler a lot uh, at the end of regulation and then obviously the touchdown uh, sealed that for him and now on to this week uh, I think the you want to pause before your pick Kyle and because there was one thing I just realized we could have talked about the Bills didn't get the ball in overtime because Kansas city won the toss and they went down the field. Do you have, do you think they should change overtime? I know I kind of put you on the spot there. Sorry. I I, I would be cool with college overtime, but eh, I mean, bills had every chance to go ahead and stop them. The, the, especially number one defense in the league. uh, I know it often turns out to be that that team that wins the coin toss wins, but every defense has a chance in those games. And if they don't make the plays then why should they get the ball? 
I agree. I, you know, wouldn't mind, uh, I don't know, some kind of college overtime experiment. Uh, but you can't do it in the regular season. Uh, too many guys will get hurt, I feel like. But to see, you know, Josh Allen and Mahomes just go back and forth from the 20 that'd be would have been awesome. That'd be fun. I think if they were to do it in the NFL, though, they'd start it from the 50. I think that'd be better. So yeah. you actually kind of have to put together a bigger part of the mm-hmm. drive. All right. Uh, Send a letter yeah, th- to the NFLPA. <laughs> this week uh, for my layup, I said that the Bengals' first score is going to be a field goal. Uh, the odds for that are like plus 150. I just don't think the Bengals are going to get off to the hottest start on offense. Uh, well, that's the first drive field goal. I think they're, they're, their offense is going to stall out in that first drive. All right. I'm going to go with Kansas City, Cincinnati, over 54 points. They both average about 27. The last time they played, it was 34-31. Uh, I think even with a slow start from Cincinnati, should be pretty high scoring. Over 54 predictions now uh last week i got mine wrong Devonte adams first touchdown in green bay uh sf it looked pretty well pretty good that first drive uh, i think Devonte had four or five catches uh and then aj Dillon actually popped a pretty good run uh from like seven or eight yard line where he pushed a couple guys over and got into the end zone uh and then skyler got his right actually with cincinnati over tennessee a good week for skyler there with two for two this week now i have the niners money line they are uh, three and a half point dogs right now. Niners played the Rams well throughout this whole season. The stadium's gonna be packed with Niner fans, even though the Rams kind of trying are trying to make it so that the Niner fans can't even mm-hmm. buy tickets. But little do they realize, a lot of fans in LA are Raider or Niner fans. Uh, so I have the Niners money line in that one. Uh, and then Skyler, what what is yours with Mister George Kittle? So. A little bit earlier, I said a big key for the Niners win was to get Kittle going in the play-action game. It doesn't even have to be in the play-action game. They need to use one of their best players here in George Kittle. Got a little uh, unfortunate take here for you Niner fans. They're not going to do it. Got Kittle under 60 and a half receiving yards. They're not going to win the game. Sorry. Damn. Well, tough love for the Niner fans there. Uh, So that's going to do it for episode 72. But before we end it. Check the poll. The poll is being checked right now. Final results are in. We got two more votes. Oh. And both of them went to Gabriel Davis. So he wins player of the week. Uh, And I am 100% okay with that. Okay. But that's going to do it for episode 72. Uh, our socials always the same. A Max Instagram, a Max Sports, Tik or not TikTok, Twitter, a Max Sports, YouTube, TikTok, and Max Sports. Go follow them. Go turn on notifications. We tweet a lot. We have over a thousand tweets now on our profile. A thousand and thirty nine tweets Very now. Nice, be exact. Uh, and if you do the math and stuff, that's probably like two or three tweets a day. So go give us a follow. Uh, it'll be worth your time for sure. Oh yeah. Anything uh, else we got for you guys here? I don't think so. Well, Mm -hmm. next week, we'll be back with a little bit of a Super Bowl preview. Probably wait a week. Mm -hmm. Talk about the Senior Bowl. Talk about some other stuff that hopefully happens. Coaching. Coaching hires. That'll happen for sure. And that will be episode 73 next Tuesday night. We'll see you guys next time. Go Jets. Bye-bye.